Hello and welcome to Homegrown Daisy, the podcast where we dive into significant moments in our guests' lives and the jewellery that carry them through it. Each week we'll be chatting to a different face and voice, some that you might recognise, some that might be new to you. Now let's see whose jewellery collection we're diving into next. Hello and welcome back to another episode of our podcast where we dive into the jewellery boxes of some of our favourite people, hearing all about the pieces that tell their story. And on this week's episode, I'm joined by fashion and beauty writer and brand consultant who has spent the last 10 years shaking the fashion industry from the inside. She's written for the likes of Elle and Vogue, really making a name for herself as a longtime columnist for Stylist magazine, a sport fanatic <laughs> with quite possibly the nicest smile in the world. <laughs> It is Billy Vartier, everyone. Oh, well, that was the kindest that introduction nice? ever, yeah. I still left that nicest smile as a bit of a surprise That was so lovely. I feel very shy now. <laughs> <laughs> it's so nice to see you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm, thank you for joining us. Pleasure. As you walked in, it did make me laugh that you said you just had a nice little snooze I in the cab journey over here. I can't help it. As soon as I'm driven in a car, yeah. I'm out cold. Yeah. Do you... Um, just, I was mentioning this morning, I've started sleeping with a fan in my room and that oh, kind yeah. of white noise itch is knocking me out. And it's the same sort of thing as driving in a car that kind of like motion. Yeah, my, <laughs> I think it's my greatest skill and also my biggest weakness to fall asleep at any anywhere. given moment. And it used to drive, when Polly Knight and I used to do fashion weeks together, it used to drive her insane <laughs> because we would get in the car and she'd be exhausted and I'd be like, okay, just two minutes. Yeah. And just would be out cold before the next show. And she's like... How are you doing this? <laughs> You're right. A good skill, but yeah, probably quite annoying yeah. for other people. Um, so we are paths across plenty of times over the years. Put my pen down. Um, but we met properly, properly last summer. For that delicious at dinner. A beautiful dinner with those Parmesan fries at Luca, which is only around the corner from us. I think yeah? about those Parmesan fries probably every day. <laughs> I'm going to say I probably do too. It was so beautiful, wasn't it? It was so beautiful. And, you know, it's such a pleasure to finally meet you after being a long time admirer. So, yeah, it was a gorgeous, gorgeous evening. We were lucky with the weather. We were yeah, outside. So that nice. beautiful conservatory. I know. For those who haven't been there, go to Luca. Um, <laughs> okay, let's start by telling us who you are and what you do. I am Billy. I am a writer and brand consultant. Um, I guess I've had like a, a slightly off the beaten track start to a career in journalism. I um, I did Latin and ancient history at university and then I did law um, because I thought that's, you know, I'm Indian. It's really your only option to doctor, <laughs> lawyer, dentist. And uh, my dad's a lawyer and he, I think he, he never really was prescriptive about one of us becoming a lawyer, but there were enough like nudges along the really? way that I was like, right, okay, that's yeah. the career for me. And I hated it. Mm -hmm. So I finished law school and I was very like, what am I doing with my life? All my friends had moved to London. I'd moved back to Leicester with my family. I was working in a bar, like zero prospects on the, on the horizon. And um, I basically just emailed like every email address I could possibly find to try and get an internship or work experience. I knew I wanted to write. Mm. I didn't actually think I was very good at it, but I thought, oh, well, I could learn to be better. Um, and I got my foot in the door at uh, Sunday Time Style as a four week work placement. And then so once you kind of get in at one, you're on the intern train. And yeah, then I, I went to British Vogue for a little while. And then I was at Elle for four years. 
and I was at Stylist for five years. Yeah. I joined as a fashion writer and left uh, January this year as fashion features, uh, fashion and beauty features director. Just scoop some beauty up in yeah, there too. <laughs> um, and yes, now I'm freelance and loving it. Amazing. Surprisingly, I didn't think I would love it actually. I was nervous. Really? Yeah. I guess it's a it's a leap, right? It's huge. And I'm I'm not like I'm not very good at well, I'm still not very good at it, but better than I was, I suppose, at like motivating myself. I'm just really used to being part of a team and yeah. I've always kind of considered myself a team player as opposed to a bit of a lone wolf. Mm-hmm. But it's been surprising actually how how much I've enjoyed it and how much I've really enjoyed having like my schedule to myself and mm. being able to sort of work things around that because I I can't I can't write in the day really I can only write at night really yeah I'm such a like 11th hour person wait but how did that work when you're working like in a magazine in an office there's so much to do that isn't writing like your emails and like there's bits that you can write like small pieces I definitely could do in the day but like big meaty features can I, I can only do it literally as the sun's gone down, like nocturnal creature to my core, <laughs> where like there is no distraction. There's yeah. no one that's going to be like, oh, Billy, could you just, or yes. an annoying email that's landed in your inbox. You can just be like, okay, it's me, Harry Potter audio tape. Really? <laughs> Let's go. Really? Yeah. I love that, that that is what, that's what gets you going. It's, it's, gets it's you the dulcet tones of Stephen Fry, <laughs> that old country music. I like that. <laughs> or when I'm really on a deadline, it's like quite hardcore rap. Because I need the the tempo. motivation. Yeah. Yeah, the tempo. <laughs> um, so you wrote your first published. Am I right in thinking you wrote your first published article for for L? Yes. So when I was, um, I suppose it was like my first article that was about me. Right. I joined as a fashion. I joined L as a fashion, a one year fashion intern, because that's kind of like really the only way people could get into yeah. magazines was was like a a, a long scoped Mm -hmm. internship but essentially you were an assistant Mm -hmm. and uh the editor at the time was Lorraine Candy and we had a really wonderful relationship and she was really brilliant and and hugely like instrumental to my career um and there was a the deputy at the time was Natasha Palman who now works for US Glamour and is a total force amazing woman um and I had started writing a blog when I'd left university called From Fat to Fit Mm -hmm. Evidently, the, the never quite came to fruition, but it was supposed to be like documenting uh, a weight loss journey and just life in mm-hmm. general. I didn't really think anybody would read it, but people people didn't, and uh, I, they found. Well, I sent them the the blog when I had applied because it was like a nice, yeah. demonstration of writing. Yeah, and Lorraine. And Natasha basically said, like, look, we really want you to write about your experience as a as a plus size woman in the fashion industry. Mm-hmm. So when I was 25 and still an intern, I was given like a four page spread, which is unheard of, um, you know, in the biggest women's magazine in the world. And there was a shoot and it was, yeah, huge. It's still, I think it's still my proudest career achievement yeah how did it feel when you actually saw it so it was in print yeah it was in print how did it feel when you actually saw that mabs so mabs yeah it was I couldn't quite like reckon with the fact that it was less the image of myself and more like the words Mm. I suppose because like I'm a writer as opposed to a stylist that's the bit that I would hone in on more Mm -hmm. but I yeah I kind of couldn't really believe that I'd been 
not only just like given the opportunity accepted in the industry by like really incredible women mm-hmm. and and supported and promoted mm-hmm. and like granted a freedom to not only just like exist in the industry but be celebrated within it mm. it felt really like quite um extraordinary thing to have happened to someone who didn't feel particularly extraordinary amazing yeah it was it was cool yeah um <laughs> So you work, obviously we've touched on the fact that you worked on quite a lot of magazines, amazing magazines. I want to know what it's like on the inside. I suppose L was your longest period. Uh, yeah, well, uh, Stylist, I think, is was officially oh, my longest. Yeah. yeah. It is. Um, is it Devil Wears Prada? There's moments, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> it's Fashion Week now. Yes. And Fashion Week does something to people. It really? brings out the very worst of them. <laughs> and that isn't, you just have to remember, that isn't what I normally like. Sure. That isn't what I normally like. But I think it's just um, the kind of pressure of it, mm. the chaos of it, the, uh, the ego that gets kind of involved during that period, those two periods of the year, which you, it, like, it does lend itself to some bad behavior. Really? It's definitely better than it was. Yeah. But it also like, that is, you know, that is an element of the industry, but it is it is not the entire narrative. Yeah. When I went to L, I made the best of friends. Like I didn't, I never envisaged making friendships like it. I just kind of thought you'd go to work, and I already had friends from university and from school, and mm. it, I just it wasn't a priority to mm-hmm. like make friends. But it was impossible not to because you were surrounded by like the best people and all really like minded. Totally, mm. and you know, I I was so fortunate, stylist, to have a really similar experience and you know I've walked away from both jobs with like incredible friendships that will last a lifetime. I remember when we were sitting around having the dinner and I it's probably the first time I'd sat just myself with so many like editors and writers and journalists all in one room and how you all know each other yeah and it's like yeah we did an internship together and oh yeah we worked together at such and such for two years yeah and when you're junior in the industry like you do really have to band together because you're like I don't you don't really have anybody else except for each other you know the the senior team it feels quite far away also from your reality like these are older women who are established and have been in the industry and you're just a, a young 20 something, like you can barely pay your rent. You're like, you're definitely eating McDonald's for dinner, like pesto pasta. Like it's, <laughs> it's tough, but you're, you're like, we're in this industry that is incredible. So we, mm. we, you know, you, you have a really like shared experience mm. and it, it's a small industry. That's why the bad behavior is remembered. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, because it really stands out. <laughs> but yeah, like for the most part, you know, it's been a dream, a total dream. Amazing. Um, so we touched on the fact that you've gone freelance. So now you're freelance. What does an average week look like for you? You're writing all night. What are you doing during you, the day? Then? I really Playing thought, squash. Yeah, really much. <laughs> I I've really, s- I've really entered my retirement here. <laughs> is squash a new thing? For those that don't know, Billy is playing squash all the time. I love squash, and you're incredibly competitive. I used to play squash a lot oh, when I was you? younger. Yeah, my um, my dad for my eleventh birthday took me to squash lessons. Really? <laughs> and we, it's a very dad sport. I yeah, feel. my mum, well, my mum, my dad actually proposed to my mum on a squash court. <gasps> So it's, um, it's like, yeah, it's in my blood now. And, uh, he, my mum and dad both played. He took all of us to play squash and I really loved it and stuck at it. My brother and my sister were a bit less interested. My brother was really, he's really into cricket. Mm -hmm. 
my sister's really into makeup and <laughs> beauty and it's like not sporty. She's a really good swimmer, but she's not, she's not super sporty. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was such a tomboy growing up. Like sport was everything. I was like netball, rounders, tennis, squash, swimming, the whole, the whole shebang. And I, yeah, it's, it stuck with me. Like really? I do really love, I do really love sport. And I basically just now like lone husbands of my best friends for a couple of hours a week that's so good okay so aside from uh listening to harry potter writing at night playing squash (laughs) what does an average as a freelance writer what does an average week look like so i try and kind of have like a couple of days that i know i'll be at home and can actually get the writing and the admin done because that's one thing like you didn't have before well you also there's so much of it like i hate i hate it as well the admins so i really have to like force myself to sit down and do it. Mm. I kind of give myself Friday morning to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I I actually thought there'd be more structure to freelance, but there, there really isn't because so much comes in last minute. There's like last minute events and last minute commissions that uh, yeah. I try and kind of give myself like anchor points throughout the week, but everything else around it, it, it does kind of move. So I sort of have like two or three days where I'm normally in town where I can have my meetings, see people, like find a coffee shop and carry on doing a bit of work. Um, and then Mondays and Fridays, I try and be at home just to like get the boring stuff done and the the big writing done. Mm-hmm. And then I've, you know, I've been trying to like really work on my fitness and, mm-hmm. and health because I found that was something I really struggled with getting on top of when I was in full-time employment. So yeah. as much as I can, I'm just trying to like get outside and mm-hmm. move my body. Yeah. I'm really noticing I've started running recently just for the mental benefits. And I such I'm a huge difference. So I find even into the evening when I get back and my patience with the kids are just so it's it's, so, it's bigger. Yeah. <laughs> it makes such a huge difference. Yeah. And I know it's really obvious. People go, you know, being doesn't make it any moving, easier to do no. though. Like you have to, it's you do have to make time it's not finding time we all have the same hours in the day but you you do have to like make time and that isn't it's not always possible it's also a really easy thing like if I I haven't been for three weeks and now I'm back to that come on get out there it's really hard well, to I think we're really mean to ourselves we're in the so way we talk about it yeah mm-hmm. and I'm trying to be better at being kinder to myself about that it's mm-hmm. it's by far the hardest thing I think I've done to to like be kind about what I can do instead of just punishing myself for what mm. I can't do like yesterday I got home at six and I was like right I'm gonna go to the gym and then I like lay on my bed for about 20 minutes just like replying to a few messages I was like oh I just can't be bothered yeah. now so and I didn't go I yeah. did like a 10 minute stretch which is more than I would have done but you know I made it up for it this morning I was like right get up get out but you can't win every day no. yeah. I think it's I think what freelance has taught me is to try and take like a small win every day as opposed to like putting a huge amount of pressure on sure. yourself to be perfect. Yeah, that's so true. Going, okay, so we've kind of touched on this, your love of sport, in particular tennis, where did this obsession come from? Is it from your granddad? I think I think he's played a, a pretty major role. So Billy shared a video clip on your stories a few weeks ago. Yeah. And I, it was the most heartwarming, sweetest thing. I think I must have watched it about five <laughs> times because he's just so sweet. And he was, was he just telling telling a story about tennis? Yeah. So my granddad is, um, my mum is my mum's dad. He's 95, just turned 95 in August. And 
we are incredibly fortunate. Like he is so mentally with it. He, I mean, he's, he kind of looks a bit like Dobby now. Like he's a bit like frail and tiny. And, you know, he used to be what I thought this really like grand figure. And, um, he, he like, I love, I love to ask him questions about his younger life Mm. because it feels so far removed from my life. Like he Mm. grew up in Africa and then moved from Kenya to England, um, in the fifties, um, my mum moved over after in the 60s. Actually, maybe he came in the early 60s. But basically, when Idi Amin kicked everybody out of Uganda, then he was like, right, I think we might be next on the kicking out mm-hmm. front. So we're <clears throat> we're going to move it. But before then, he lived this like gorgeous life in Kenya mm-hmm. where he would finish work every day and would go to the tennis club. And like he just loves talking about the tennis club and the fun that they had there. Mm. And he's like, and sometimes not very often, I would sometimes have like a shandy, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's, it's just, it's so lovely and heartwarming to hear those stories. And, um, I, I really treasure them, Mm. but my whole family is quite tennis obsessed. My mum is a huge into tennis every year. She's like, do you reckon we'll get some Wimbledon tickets this year? Um, and my dad loves it. My brother loves it. My sister loves it. I think it's it's just like a, we are like quite a sporty family, even though I don't think we necessarily are, but there's always sport on at least one TV in the really, house. Yeah. Always. It's normally cricket, which yeah. I'm not the biggest fan of, but sure. I don't know. There's some, I just, I've just written a piece for Elle actually about like tennis core reaching fever pitch because everyone's obsessed so true like a tennis Even bracelet more so this year yeah yeah it's, every each year it feels like more it, and more yeah. it's the kind this kind of like sporty and rich aesthetic mm. that everyone's wanting to and assimilate. the celebs courtside what are they yeah. wearing who's there exactly. what's the gossip around this new relationship ariana grande you know going public you know all those yeah kind timothy of, chalamet kylie jenner exactly it's yeah like i just got back from new york where i went to the u.s open yeah and the best thing about it was that everybody wears tennis outfits just to watch the games. Like the girls. Is that like a come. rule or? I didn't think it was. Like everyone gets quite dressed up at Wimbledon. So I was like quite surprised. Sure. It's very chill at the US Open. It's quite like gym bro kind mm-hmm. of aesthetic. Mm-hmm. But the girls are like head to toe tennis gear, like white little tennis dresses, caps, the whole shebang. The more Lululemon, the more aloe, the better. <laughs> I was like, I'm on board. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can, I can see that actually in the States. Definitely. Yeah, it was it was like the best people watching. I bet, <laughs> which I love. Um, okay, before we dive into your significant pieces, let's talk through what jewelry you're wearing. I've got two daisy pieces. I've got some gorgeous daisy hoops on. The Goddess Glow hoop earrings. I can't leave the house without a pair of hoops. I love that. I'm a big hoop girl as well. It just makes me feel dressed. Like even, even to the gym, I wear hoops like these or the smaller smaller ones but I yeah have to I feel completely not myself if I don't have hoops in yeah and I've got the you've got the t-bar necklace and the figaro chain necklace you've had that figaro chain necklace and it has the color has worn away do you ever take it off no (laughs) (laughs) it's been in the sea it's been in the shower every day it's been been everywhere it's seen some miles this summer actually this necklace I've done really well. So I quite like it sometimes when the color comes out a bit. Yeah, it's actually the color gold that is now is almost like the gold color I'm always searching for. It's that kind of oh really vintage washed out yeah. kind of color. It feels very much like part of my skin. This necklace and I yeah I'm sorry it's not coming off anytime soon. Um and the T bar which I love 
This gives me a bit of a sporty vibe. It is a bit sporty, yeah. yeah. Amazing. Okay, so before we dive in, um, I ask all of my guests this question. Why do you think jewellery is so important to people? I think jewellery has a really unique quality of being able to like lock in an emotion and a time and a place and a moment like instantly. Mm. And I think while that we have that with like clothes and accessories, I think like the the kind of magnitude at which that gets locked in is quite is quite unique to jewelry and mm. every time you put it on it's a reminder of that of that moment which you know we wash our clothes and they might look a bit different or we might get bored of them or we fall a bit out of love with them whereas jewelry you, you that never really happens it always still is like very much a beloved piece that mm. has come from usually has come from like a celebration or a reflection on something that's happened or you know a a moment of time that you've given to yourself or Mm. something you've invested in for yourself or a loved one has done that for you so I think the sentiment that's in jewelry is like it's quite incredible great answer that's why you're a writer (laughs) I want to read the article all about that I'm Next going. article. Why <laughs> <Tonight>. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's go into your significant pieces. Okay. Where would you like to start? I'll pass um, it to you. Maybe I should start with the ring. Okay. So this is my dad's signet ring, and it's got his initials on it, BSB. It kind of gives me slight mafia vibes. Yeah, which we love. <laughs> and basically, I remember at school, everyone started to wear rings yeah. in like, maybe when we were leaving school about 18 and stacking them and I've got really chubby hands and big fingers and Claire's accessories was not coming through (laughs) for me (laughs) and I really wanted to get on board the jewel the gold ring trend so I asked my dad if I could wear his signet ring he never wears he never wears he's never worn his wedding ring I think actually he lost it on the golf course on his honeymoon like he zero shits given about the about the, oh sorry you can swear about, <laughs> about okay, the ring um the only jewelry that he wears is a really chunky gold bracelet okay um so I was like he's not gonna miss this and I think I said I was gonna borrow it like once and then just never gave it back I think he's forgotten yeah I don't I don't actually wear this really at all I'd like to maybe get it on a necklace mainly yeah. because I think the only finger it looks good on is my wedding, wedding. finger <laughs> that's gonna put people off yeah, you know, I need to start carrying around a cardboard sign, single and available. Um, Isn't there these new things like you wear like a green band or something? I read something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's called pear. The ring, yeah, no, yeah. not into it. Avoid that. But, but maybe, I don't know, maybe I could get away with it in the middle. Yeah. Avoid I've that. never worn rings, so I it, it feels very like, not uncomfortable, but feels unfamiliar. Yeah. But I I love it because it's... It's, that's just classic Baz to have a big old bougie ring with his initials on it. <laughs> so yeah, that stays in the jewelry box, but I like to look at it. So those listening, it is a classic gold signet ring, square face with sort of some engraving that goes down either side with BSB engraved yep. in a lovely, very traditional sort of italic font. Yeah. Really nice. Big brat move, that one. Big, really. Yeah. <laughs> He's the ultimate brat. I learned everything about being a brat from him. So yeah, this you need one of these. And you're, you're really close to your family, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. It's quite weird. I just I just really like them. Mm. But I don't think just, that happens often. It's nice. I think it's so, so special. Yeah. But, oh, they drive me insane. But sure, sure. I like them most of the time. <laughs> um, this all right. Back. Where should we go next? Um, okay, maybe to this little Tiffany. Yes. 
we've guy. Had a, we've had a few. Um, I bet. Well, at least a few Tiffany mentions on the podcast because we were just talking briefly before. It's kind of of our. Of our age. Yes. Yeah. Oh, did you ever used to watch Super Sweet, My Super Sweet 16? I never did. It was that, the TV series that was on MTV and yeah, I was obsessed. I, never, I didn't have, I didn't have Sky, we didn't have MTV. Brat. <laughs> Brat. <laughs> but I, um, for my birthday from 16 to um, maybe 24, my mum would take me to London for the day. And on my 16th birthday, we went to, we would always start in Knightsbridge because my, my mum and dad used to live in London like before they moved back up to Leicester for a really short period of time. But my mum still like considers herself a London girl. Is she? And I love that because she, she is like, she knows everywhere. Mm-hmm. And she's like, let's go to the West End and like, let's go to Knightsbridge. Um, so we went to Harrods and I basically forced her to, <laughs> to buy me this necklace. I was like, Look, it's my 16th birthday. That means by right of passage, you have to have a Tiffany necklace. She was like, I don't think that's the rules. <laughs> but I was I was allowed to pick one piece from Harrods for my birthday. So I picked this for my 16th. Amazing. So it is a very long chain. I can't remember what we call that kind of chain at all. A bobbly chain. Yeah, almost like a key ring chain. It's like that same sort of key ring chain that we have. Yeah. And with a heart, a very classic Tiffany & Co heart. Please return to Tiffany, yeah. Love. I wore it every single day for, for probably like four years. When you could wear uh, your own clothes in, in sixth form, I um pre- I pretty much looked like trash every day, but because I had this on, then I, I thought I was princess basically I love that that's really really good I kind of want to bring it back I do too I want to bring my Tiffany bracelet back I might get it um gold plated that's a good idea it's still it's a silver but silver's having such a moment right now isn't it but I mainly wear gold I'm kind of mixing a little bit but yeah I mainly wear gold I don't think silver is my color but I can't yeah I mean, the, the 90s and the noughties are back in such a big way that maybe they I are. could just make that work. I think you could. Love a Tiffany necklace. Um, okay, where are we going to next? We are going to this gold bracelet. Gold bracelet. It's almost like a bit of a watch strap. Yeah. Style. I think that kind of style's come back in fashion. It really is, yeah. Very I mean, 80s, the, 70s, 80s kind of vibe. Really nice. It's like, feel it, it's so light. Is it solid gold? No. Oh, it's not? It's um, it's my nana's, who we call Nanny Ma. She was, like, obsessed with Avon and, like, catalogue buying. And she loved, like, Again, fashion very jewelry. 80s. Very. <laughs> and when we were kids, my mom and dad, they worked full-time, so we spent a lot of time with them, and they, they only lived, like, five minutes up the road. But I, she used to have a clear plastic box, you know, the ones with, like, hundreds of compartments, and each one would be filled with like some kind of like fashion jewelry tat. And I would spend hours just trying all of them oh, on, really? trying all of her lipsticks on. Try, like it, I would while away days doing it. <laughs> and um, sadly she passed away when I, just a, a couple of days before I went to university. And um, when I came back like Christmas, my mum had given us a couple of bits of her jewelry, some like really precious pieces. Mm. But I like just wanted to get my hands on the tap really because it was like what reminded me yeah. so much of her. Yeah. So I do wear this occasionally. I'm slightly concerned it will turn me green one day. <laughs> but 
it's worth it for it's this worth it and it will make value. you laugh when that if, it, yeah. if and when that does happen yeah she'd love that yeah. she'd be like oh just get another one shows you can you wear out of it yeah yeah open the Avon catalogue and get something else is Avon still a thing actually I've got no idea no. yeah it it like in the beauty sphere but they used to I can't remember whether it was an Avon catalogue or another like pyramid scheme catalogue but yeah. they we used to we used to like meticulously go go through them when we were at their house and be like oh look at this yeah. like and I guess it was that first kind of iteration of fashion jewellery mm. that you could kind of relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she was funny. She was really funny. She was just loved like stuff. Mm. So yeah, this is a special piece. Really nice. Um, okay, where to next? We'll go to the watch. Okay. This was this is a Longines watch um, that I got for my 21st birthday. Silver. Silver. Actually, I think it's platinum. Oh, nice. Um, with a mother of mother of pearl face, and it's got little diamonds as the oh, gorgeous as the hours. Yeah. Um, so we had a we <laughs> we basically me and my sister were given a small but like healthy budget for our twenty first birthday. I think it was like a thousand pounds to pick something, which was an incredible amount mm. of money. And I decided I didn't want a present. I wanted a party. Classic. She was like, I'm going all diamonds for her her (laughs) present. I was like, nah, I don't want stuff. I want a massive party. (laughs) So I had like 20 friends and we went to this like beautiful restaurant. And then we went on this big night out. My mum made us a massive curry for like hangover day. Oh, wow. And um, my dad was like, I think he was a bit upset that I didn't like choose something of value. But I just wanted a party. So he picked like the cheapest version of the of a Longines watch that was like suitable for my age. And it's so beautiful and I love it. And it makes me feel like a lady when I wear it, which nice. is very rare feeling. And nice that your dad chose it. Yeah, yeah, really he nice. chose it. And um, he loves watches, like a big watch collector. That's kind of his, I guess that's his like passion. Mm. Um I haven't worn it for years, mainly because the Apple Watch has taken over my life. Of course, and like, as we're saying, we need to know how many steps we're doing. Right, um, but I do think that in the evenings, it would be nice to mm. get her back on. Yeah, so, so into Christmas especially, some yeah. Christmas events. Yeah, I just, I love how elegant it is. It's really pretty. Yeah, and it's just, um, yeah, I've got wonderful memories yeah. about this watch and that and that party. That was, it was a good party. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, where to next? We'll go to this one. This is my Celine B. Um, iconic. Iconic. Everybody yeah. went wild for it. Really, yeah, it was. When? What kind of time was this? This was when I was still at L, and because I, Tiffany, iconic for that era. Yeah, I'm Celine. an incredible like jewelry cliche, basically. Um, <laughs> and I remember like seeing. A couple of editors had started to get it. And I mean, it was expensive, but you can see like the the uh, gold has kind of worn off because mm-hmm. it's, there's there's nothing precious metal wise mm-hmm. that's in, that's, a, that's in this, but I was obsessed, completely and utterly obsessed. And I was like, how do I justify like 300 pounds on a, Is on a like, yeah, like <laughs> a tiny salary uh, for this, like. It's <laughs> like big bee necklace. <laughs> and I was in Paris uh, with Adidas on a on a trip. 
And we'd like the me and the PRs, we'd like bunked off the afternoon. They're like, oh, let's not go to the the talk that we that we like kind of had to go to, but not really had to go to. And we went down um Avenue Montaigne and they had to be in there. And I was like, it's fake. You're in Paris. I've got to get it. Yeah. So I bought this and I feel like this like validated me in the fashion space. Like having this, I felt like I belonged in really? the fashion industry because all of the like cool girls were wearing it, all of the editors were wearing it. And it was something that wasn't like, it, it didn't matter about your size or your race or your background or any of that. It was just like a stamp of approval basically. Mm. Um, and yeah, I do, I still absolutely love this. I I actually got the mini ones too, the mini yeah. as well. And I got one I still really sister. like them. I think they're really cool. Yeah, re- I mean, yeah. obviously like Alphabet kind of necklaces have, have just exploded. But, you know, it's Phoebe, it's Celine, it's Susan OG, this one. Yeah, massively. I really, really like it. Let me have a little look. It's quite heavy, isn't it? It is weighty. Yeah. Much weighty than I thought. You know when you've lost it. <laughs> yeah. At least at least if you're spending that much money, you, you can feel the money yeah. on your neck. It looks so good on your skin. It's good color. Okay, where to next? Um, my last piece is this one, which is like a it's it's again it's super light it's a gold link bracelet and one of the links is diamonds uh so earlier this year I went on a road trip with my best friend Sasha uh across America we did Nashville New Orleans Vegas LA and Lindsay came and joined us on the last leg in Vegas and LA and she had told us about this uh jewelry place called 14 carats and it was basically like a like a diamond wholesale and it was chaos like we we walk in and it's it's totally mad like Aladdin's cave there's like it's really really busy and it's there every piece is just there's just thousands and thousands of pieces everywhere and they're all just like in plastic bags like there's no finesse to it there's no like a luxury kind of yeah. feeling to it but they're because they're all like wholesale prices it's a fraction of what you would ordinarily pay um and I had kind of wanted to celebrate going freelance and taking time for myself mm. um and my my best friend Sasha who was on the trip with me she was just go, well she's going currently going through it's a hard year for her like mm. she's getting a divorce and mm. she also is prioritizing herself um and we both kind of wanted to like do something that was for us so we decided we were gonna fuck it and buy some diamonds yes so we she bought two gorgeous rings I bought this bracelet and a pair of earrings and you can tell I've really worn it already because I got it trapped in a car door oh no I've already bent one oh of no the so bent oh my goodness <laughs> that is brilliant it's gorgeous but I love it Dutch, and they were but- so they were so kind in there because I said like I, I I like things that kind of hang a little bit lower. I don't know why it just makes me feel more expensive. And and this guy was so sweet. He was like, "Oh, just stick another link in. We'll do this." And then we I went on their website, um, not their website, their Instagram after, and like every major celebrity gets all of their stuff from there. Oh, really? Yeah, like Rihanna gets all of her jewelry from there. Beyonce, all the Kardashians, they're like dripping in fourteen carats. Oh my gosh! Yeah. I get them to be dripping in daisy. Got to go, I need there. To go over there. Yeah, talk to them. Out. Yeah. What are you doing? What am I doing wrong? It was quite bonkers. Yeah. 
Um, but they obviously had people that came back all the time. And I think the they were like explaining it to me. It's just been like a generational family run business. Um, this like gorgeous Jewish family that they were just like such hustlers. Nice. And like, yeah, it was, it felt very like American. Mm. It was fun. Nice. Yeah, that's the end of my tour. Well, that's really good. And I love the fact that you bought diamonds for yourself to uh, like a, a marker. Yeah. For like a, because it was January, right? You went freelance. It was, yeah, January I went freelance and then I got, I, we went in April. I mean, I was like panicking as I was handing over my credit card and it wasn't, like it was a lot of money, but it wasn't, I wasn't spending like tens of thousands of pounds. Um, but I was, I've never, I'd never spent that much money on myself for like a thing. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd spent money on holidays or like rent or whatever, but it felt so indulgent to like buy yourself diamonds. I was like, I'm not great up enough for this, <laughs> but I think it's quite um, like a seminal piece yeah. and a good marker of like, you deserve to do something for you. Definitely. Even if I then have to work really, really, really hard <laughs> to pay for it. And get it trapped in a car door. I know. But it's I'm still so part clumsy. of the memory though. This is a good thing about jewelry as well because it's it's added to the story, right? Yeah. I can't help it. It just, I like, I need to work on being less clumsy. It's not, it's not chic by any stretch, but... <laughs> I'm Sasha and Lindsay always take the mickey out of me. They're like, why are you so heavy handed about everything? Like the way I apply makeup, the way I get dressed, the way I brush my hair. They're like trying to rip out your scalp. Like what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> I should be more delicate with delicate things. <laughs> so we have talked about how, obviously you talked about moving freelance. You had jewelry to mark that moment. Um, so far, since you went freelance in January, what has been the biggest challenge? Aside from trying to get routine, I suppose. Yeah, that that has been, that has been a really big challenge. I think the biggest challenge is overcoming like imposter syndrome. Sure. It's really difficult to like think that you're doing a good job. Mm -hmm. I think I'm so used to that validation and that kind of congratulations from within a team. You send an issue to press, the editor tells you you've done a good job. You get feedback immediately. Yeah, sure. I think going off by yourself and like believing that you have the skills to still fulfill all of those things, it's it that is a really difficult mindset to get into. And like really vulnerable, you know, you're pitching to people and giving them your ideas and writing, much like designing, it's really personal. Like you're putting yourself on paper, you're putting yourself into a product and not everyone's going to like that. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, you got to, you do have to have like a bit of resilience and the thick skin to it, but it's, that is a learning process mm. and the, and kind of believing that you're good enough to, mm. you know, take on the jobs and do brand work and do all of that kind of stuff is, yeah, it takes a minute to like, to reconcile that you, you can do it and you are good enough to do it. Cause I think you know, we're just of an age and of a culture where like comparison kicks in daily. We Mm. see it on our phones. Mm. This person's doing this. Mm. This person's away on this trip. I wasn't invited. This person's just written this knockout feature. Like how can I possibly compare? Mm. So I think trying to like pull yourself away constantly from the comparison culture Mm. is like, that's a, that's a hard, it's a hard task, but like a necessary one. 
And do you think you're, do you think you've got better at it? Better, not totally great at it, mm-hmm. but it like, I don't think it's a thing that you can switch on and off. Yeah, It's not, it's also not something you can kind of overcome in a night or a week or even a month. Mm. Like it, it is a gradual self-belief process. Yeah, And, you know, I'm, I'm definitely feel like more confident in elements and there's bits I know that I still need to work on. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, I would say, yeah, that's been, that's been the biggest and toughest challenge mm-hmm. out of like way more than taxes, but taxes are still really nasty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Um, you've interviewed many designer and industry insiders. Who has been the most exciting? Oh, wow. That's I know you've really interviewed, nice. have you interviewed Ashley Graham? Before? Yeah. I love her. She was fantastic. She seems really fun. So fun. And really totally personal. Normal. Yeah. She's like, Billy, tell me about this. Tell me about this. I was like, I'm supposed to be interviewing you. Yeah. Um, she is incredibly charming, wonderful, so open. That, uh, like the dream to interview because she is like, I'm an open book. You to pick your page, basically. Really? Like she just is, she's so giving with herself and with her time. Mm. That was like a total joy to interview her. Um, I recently did a Guarcia cover with Priyanka Chopra, which I really, really enjoyed. Yeah. We ha- I'd interviewed her before um, at Christmas and she was quite guarded. Okay. And I think often when it comes to a brand, like they feel really conscious that they've just got to get the brand across. Okay, right. So it doesn't feel necessarily like the most authentic conversation. Mm-hmm. Whereas this time we got to have like a face-to-face moment and... I then think that she also like recognized that I was a South Asian woman mm-hmm. in the in the creative industry and she was South Asian woman. So we had like something immediately to sure. connect us. Um, and we had like such a great chat and she was so interesting and so impressive. Like really? she is the only woman who has been able to, or, or man, like the only person that has been able to kind of cross from Bollywood to yeah. Hollywood yeah. with such incredible like and in such an incredible way like yeah. she's really she's really done that that's and nobody else has done that before and that is such a hard transition to make because your stereotyped your typecast is also a huge industry like yeah. Hollywood is is 10 times bigger than Hollywood like money the production the amount of films that are made um so yeah she was she was an amazing one and then years ago I did two on the same night, which were my favorite people. I did Beth Ditto, who was so brilliant. Yeah. She's so funny. So like, just says everything as it is. I can imagine. But like, has had such a colorful life. You know, like has had, came from super humble beginnings, is so talented, um, but really... Yeah, really, really amazing interview. Loved her. We basically spent the rest of the night together just just gassing because she was so nice. fascinating. And that was the same night I interviewed Jack Miss mm-hmm. when he was very much still like an emerging talent. Really? Also the best dancer. Really? Ever. The yeah. best dancer. I see a lot of it actually dancing content. Yeah, he's he's amazing. Yeah. Span us all around the dance floor the whole night. Really? Um, but he was like just so gorgeous and so French. Yeah. And just really, really enchanting. And I was like, you're just going to go so, so, so far, which he has because he just had everything going for him. But like in the, in the nice, you were rooting for him, like in the nicest way possible. Amazing. So yeah, there's been some, there's been some goodies in there. There's some pretty good ones there. (laughs) 
Um, okay, what is your earliest jewellery memory? My earliest jewellery memory was going to a car boot sale with my mum and I bought a dolphin mood ring. Again, very iconic. Yeah, I still have I, it. Yeah, I it's feel like I might have had one of those. Yeah, it was... Um, it stopped changing color maybe after a month, <laughs> but it was, I actually think it was real silver because it's never tarnished, but I got it for a pound. From well, yeah. And you've still got it? Still got it. Why was it that in your significant pieces? It's in, it's, I, it's in Leicester. Okay. So I couldn't get to it, but I, I remember I bought that and I bought my mum a pair of earrings from a copy that she still wears. Really? And they were like, um, kind of an oval mother of pearl on a, like a, yeah, silver back that had like really small studs, like studded balls, kind of like the Tiffany chain, but really small. Yeah, around it, and they were they were two pound fifty. They were expensive. Yeah, I think I was maybe eight or nine. Oh, you treated your mum. Yeah, the sweetest thing in the world. We got like I think we had we had about like four pounds to spend, and I bought them for her, and she still wears them. Oh my god! Yeah, it's cute. I hope that they would be in your mum's significant. Yeah, I actually think they would be. Yeah, I mean, she's got some mega pieces, but I think they would be. Okay. Uh, finally, uh, what's next for Billy? I'm writing a big piece for Sunny Time Style, um, which I'm very nervous really? about to come out. It's very exposing. Uh, I feel like I'm standing naked in front of a lot of people on that piece. So okay. that. We'll either have a good or bad reception. Oh, excited. When, so when can we, when can we see uh, that? I think that's out in a couple of weeks. Okay. Uh, I just filed it this week. So yeah, should be out in a couple of weeks. Um, the Stylish September issue is out this week. So that's got my column in it. And I'm working on a couple of brand things, hopefully that will come to fruition in October. Um, and I'm actually going on a mega trip at the end of October to French Polynesia. Amazing. Which I'm very excited about. Actually, when this episode comes out, people will already be able to have read those two articles. Oh, really? Okay. Because it's coming out like October time. I think we're in October. I think. Um, amazing. So you might be October. on your trip when it's coming out. Yeah, I'm going to um, this place called the Brando, which is on Marlon Brando's private island. I'm very excited. It's very, very cool. It's where the Obamas go on holiday. It's good enough for them. I mean, it's definitely like, it's nowhere I belong, but That's I'm so very excited to see it. I'm a bit scared of the small plane. Okay. That gets you over, but yeah. you know, it's just, uh, just got to suck it up and get on board. Yeah. <laughs> to, to, to then land yeah. somewhere completely epic. Um, okay. To finish. Yeah. Quick fire questions. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Silver or gold? Gold. So quick. Statement piece or subtle layers? Oh, it's both, but today I'm into subtle layers. Okay, yeah. Uh, dressed up or dressed down? Dressed, despite what I'm, despite what I'm wearing, dressed up. Nice. <laughs> um, one thing from your significant pieces you'd save in a fire? The watch. Nice. Oh my God, that's not what I thought I'd say. Really? Yeah. Oh, I love that. What did you think you'd say? <laughs> I thought I'd say the new diamonds I just bought, but apparently they're burning. Aww. <laughs> uh, finish the sentence I don't fill myself without gold hoops yeah I knew you were going to say that uh, my go-to outfit is it's actually a skirt and a, and a sweatshirt nice or a dress a floral dress yeah I Easy. thought you'd be wearing a dress you're a big fan of dresses yeah I was going to wear a dress and then I I just got like I don't know what happened I, I didn't feel myself and I, oh. I was like oh I'll just do this but normally yeah a dress I just like ease yeah. one piece over done yeah 
I, you're, I agree. And finally, jewellery makes me feel. Complete. Nice. Billy, it's been so, so nice. So nice to see you. Thank you so much for having me. It's well, been I could have carried on chatting for ages. Yeah, it's like, well, we'll just turn these off and we yeah, will, yeah. We'll carry on. Um, thank you so much and good luck for everything coming up. Thank you, Rue. Wait to do all the articles. Thank you so much for listening to Homegrown Daisy. I hope you've been inspired to start telling your own story with your jewellery and build on your Daisy collection. If you'd like to keep up to date, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on Instagram and TikTok, or join our mailing list for the latest offers and news. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love you to leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts and help build our Daisy chain. Join us next time for another episode of Homegrown Daisy.